Good morning, everyone. Several years ago, a woman in Missouri was startled out of a deep sleep when she heard the cries, help, help, very faintly, but she could hear it nonetheless. She looked over at her husband, who was sound asleep, and she listened, and she heard the cries again, help, help. So she went down the stairs into the living room, and she waited, and she listened, and sure enough, she heard it again, help, help. And she says, where are you? And she heard a voice from the fireplace say, I'm in here. And so she walks over and she stoops down and she looks up and sure enough, there is a man dangling upside down, stuck in the flue. Apparently he had tried to rob the place by coming in through the chimney and of course his plans were thwarted when he got stuck. So the police and the fire station were called who came in and had to disassemble the fireplace and take out some bricks and all that. And finally, they rescued the trapped man. But what I found interesting about the story is that the woman filmed the whole thing with her phone. And I wonder what they talked about until the police and the fire station arrived. Maybe she should have shared some scripture with him. Maybe she could have read John chapter 10 to him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning, John chapter 10. More specifically, we are going to zero in on Jesus' statement, I am the door, which on the surface is a rather interesting statement to make, isn't it? I mean, that would make you question someone's sanity under normal conditions if someone said that they were a door. You might understand if they were dressed for Halloween and they're about to go trick-or-treating. You'd understand if they said they were a door. Maybe it's a a sign of the lunacy of our culture. Somebody says, well, I identify as a door. But normally, if somebody said they were a door, you would respond with, no, no, you're not. You're a human being. But we know something about metaphors, don't we? Not to be condescending or to act like you don't know, but, I mean, a metaphor is simply a figure of speech which uses a word or a phrase to apply to an object which is not literally applicable. Like when we say life is a roller coaster. Or we say so-and-so is a chicken, or so-and-so is a walking dictionary. So you understand what a metaphor is. And so Jesus saying, I am the door, is really not that unusual of a statement when you understand that he was using a metaphorical phrase. Now, when we look at Jesus' statement here, we also have to look at something else. And you probably know what I'm going to say because I have kind of beat you over the head with it the last few weeks. But We've got to take things into context. And when you look at the context surrounding Jesus' words here, we get a whole bigger picture and better understanding of what our Lord was saying. Look at verses 1 through 6 of John chapter 10. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, Jesus' day, each shepherd had a peculiar call that only the sheep 
that belonged to him would recognize. The sheep would answer that call, that voice of that shepherd and only that shepherd. Voice recognition among the flock is vitally important when you have several sheep mixed in in a communal sheepfold. And that's what would happen in the towns and the villages. There would be this communal sheepfold where all the sheep would be gathered in at night. And these folds had a strong uh, wall about them and a strong door that one shepherd would have a key to. The next day, when they went to separate all these sheep that were gathered in this communal sheepfold, each shepherd would get on the side of the door, and they would give their peculiar call, and all the sheep would come out, and they would line up behind their shepherd because they knew the voice of the one that was calling them. I've heard that a shepherd could go into this sheepfold and walk around and never disturb the sheep that were sleeping. But if a thief or a robber came in, they would immediately be startled because they didn't recognize them. They would immediately be scared because they didn't trust who they didn't know. Only the one that they responded to, only the voice of the shepherd would they follow. Not all of them. Some sheep are kind of like human beings. They would go astray, but by and large, sheep would follow the one who was leading them. Let's keep reading in John chapter 10, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. Now things were a little different with the flocks when they were grazing on the hillside. You didn't gather up all the sheep and take them back into town or into the village. No, you just made a makeshift communal fold out there in the wilderness or out there on the hillside somewhere. And this, this sheepfold that was makeshift out on the hillside didn't have a door. It had an opening. And in order to keep robbers and thieves and predators out and to keep the sheep in, the shepherd would actually lay down across that opening so that no robbers or thieves could get in, no predators could get in without stepping over the body of the shepherd. He was literally the door. He literally laid down his life for the sheep. You know, several years ago, I read a story about uh, an incident in Turkey with some shepherds. They were out grazing their sheep, and one of them went over the edge of a cliff and fell to his demise. And 1,500 sheep followed that one. They all went over the cliff. More would have died, but they were cushioned by the fall of the dead sheep that were already down there. One shepherd estimated that he lost somewhere around $100,000. Why would they do that? 
Apparently, this one sheep, the one that went first, was trying to go from one ledge to another, and he just fell to his death. But why would the others follow suit? You know, it's not unusual for sheep to follow. It's not unusual for even sheep to follow one other sheep to their demise. That's why leadership is so important. That's why shepherding is so important. Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd, which is a moniker that we'll look at more in detail next week. But one aspect of being a good shepherd is being willing to lay down one's life for the sheep, to protect the sheep at all costs, to do everything within your power to make certain that they are well-fed, well-kept, and well-led. The people in Jesus' day were in danger of going off the cliff. They were sheep without a shepherd. They needed leadership. Actually, they had leadership, but the leadership wasn't good. It was corrupt. It wasn't leading them in the right direction. And Jesus came to take the lead. And this really was always the plan. You see, in the Old Testament, God is pictured as a shepherd, and his people are called the flock. Psalm 23, for instance, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 77 and verse 20 reads, you led your sheep like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 100 and verse 3, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So God was and still is the shepherd. But there were also earthly leaders that were referred to as shepherds who were supposed to be doing God's will as leaders, but they were instead only focused on themselves. The prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel speak some pretty harsh words of condemnation towards these shepherds that were supposed to be good, but were bad instead. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. It's Jeremiah 23, 1. Ezekiel 34 and 2 states, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? And then the good shepherd comes onto the scene, the one who will risk his life for the sheep, the one who searches for the lost sheep, the one who will become the sacrificial lamb. And of course, the shepherding of the flock was passed on from Jesus to the apostles, which was then passed on to elders that were established in all the churches, and all the way down to this century and to our elders right here at the Oldham Lane Church of Christ. What's the role of a shepherd? Well, one very important role is to make certain that the people don't go off the cliff. The religious leaders of Jesus' day didn't seem too concerned about the stray sheep. If they wanted to go off the cliff, then that's fine. That's what they deserved anyway. God didn't like them, they felt like, and so therefore they didn't like them either. But then comes this man, this carpenter, who assumes the role of shepherd. Not only that, he claims to be the door as well. And what do we know about doors? Well, we know that they let things in and they keep things out. Imagine that you didn't have a door on your house, just an opening. What would that be like? Well, you'd probably wake up in the morning and find some wild critters in your kitchen scouring for food, maybe a possum or a raccoon or something of that nature. You know, without a door on your home, it gets pretty windy here in Abilene, and you're probably going to have a lot of debris in your house blowing in from Lubbock. You're probably going to have a lot of crickets, maybe even more than you have outside. You're going to have wasps and mosquitoes and, you know, uh, uh, all those different kind of flying insects. If you didn't have a door on your home, you probably wouldn't keep anything of value in it because anybody could come in at any time and, and take it. You'd be susceptible to thieves. It also gets pretty hot in Abilene in July and August. It'd be hard to run your air conditioner and keep your house cool and comfortable. It'd also be very expensive. 
It would be hard to contain the air that you're running. If it ever rains or snows or hails or sleets, then not having a door becomes a, big of a, a bit of a problem, right? Because all that weather, weather comes inside, and, and that's not comfortable. No doors on your home means that you have to deal with that annoying neighbor even more than you probably do already. They can come in at any time and bother you, right? We talk about doors. We talk about how they are vital to our welfare and to our safety and to our security and to our comfort because they keep things outside that don't belong inside. However, doors do something else. They perform another function, and that is they keep things in. They also allow us to leave our home, and so they provide freedom. Can you imagine not having a door at all in your home? It'd just be like a box, right? You'd be living in a terrarium. Without doors, we wouldn't be able to welcome friends. We wouldn't be able to have small groups in our homes. We would be unable to come and go as we please. And so doors also provide us with freedom. They allow us to come and go as we please. They allow us to bring things inside that are outside. Doors are simultaneously tools of exclusion and inclusion. So when Jesus makes the statement, I am the door, what is he saying? Is he saying I keep things out or is he saying I let things in? And the answer is yes. It's both. Notice his words again, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now the key phrase there is by me. This really is the center of all of this. Anyone can enter but only through the door that is marked Jesus Christ. Do you see where all this is headed? Do you see what Jesus is saying? And, and, and you, you recognize who he's talking to. He's talking to the Jewish leaders. He's talking to those that needed to comprehend that he was the door, but people that stubbornly refused. He desperately is trying to get across to them who he is and what his function is because they were looking for another door. You might remember the game show, Let's Make a Deal. I think there is a revamped version of it on TV today, but the old Let's Make a Deal, hosted by Monty Hall, had these contestants who were from the studio audience, and they were dressed up in like Halloween costumes as if they were going trick-or-treating, and they'd get called out of the audience, and they'd come up, and they would compete for a prize, and when they won that prize, they were given the opportunity to either keep what they won, or they could choose to trade it in for something else, maybe something better maybe something worse, but they had to choose between door number one, two, or three. And so they sat with bated breath, wondering what was going to be behind that door. It could be like a goat or something, or it could be something like a new car. They just didn't know. So it was a risk. The Jewish leaders had picked the wrong door. They refused to follow. They were once the Lord's sheep, but now they had strayed from the flock. They were lost and couldn't even see it. And Jesus is inviting all to come into the fold. But these stubborn, hard-hearted sheep would not listen to the good shepherd's voice. Scribes and Pharisees didn't have much to do with shepherds because mainly they were dirty individuals and they didn't observe the cleansing rituals set forth by the Jewish leaders. So Jesus, claiming to be the good shepherd, was strike one and then strikes two and three come in verses 16 through 18 where it says and I have other sheep that are not of this fold I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock one shepherd for this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again this charge I have received from my father now think about what Jesus is saying here. 
He's already claimed to be the only way to salvation, which means he's claiming to be the Messiah that they longed for, that they were looking for. He's saying also that there are other sheep who are going to be allowed to walk through this door, who are going to be allowed into the fold. And what does that mean? Who is he talking about here? He's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about the black sheep, the despised, the hated Gentiles, right? Anyone else that wasn't a Jew, no more separation, no more division. They're going to make up one flock. We will all be gathered together in one communal fold known as the kingdom, and we will all live fat and happy as sheep with a good shepherd for all eternity. The door of Jesus Christ is inclusive and exclusive. You see, this this door no longer exists to keep out the non-Jew. It's now open so that all can enter. But you cannot enter through a back door. You cannot enter through a secret passageway or through a window. You can only come through the door marked Jesus Christ. And there are other scriptures that affirm this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Acts chapter 4 and 12, it states, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. God desires for everyone, everyone to enter in. The door is open for everyone. The question each person must ask themselves is, are they walking through the right door? Because if you listen to competing voices in our world, they'll tell you that there's a variety of doors that lead to a variety of paths, but they're all going to one place. And Jesus says, no, that's not true. There's one door. It's Mark Jesus Christ, and you enter through that door. Listen to that voice. Listen to the one who is calling you through that door and block out all the other noise all the other voices. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And and, and I love go in and out. I love that phrase there because to go in and out was a well-known concept to the Hebrew individual. Because you may remember in the ancient cities, there there were walls built around the city to protect the city from attackers. But if a resident could go in and out, It meant that they had peace. If a resident was able to just come and go as they pleased, that meant that they had no fear. They had complete security. Nothing was going to harm them. There were no attackers. So you imagine that concept that Jesus is presenting. You can go in and out. You can have peace. You can rest. In him there is no fear. There's no fear of death. The enemy cannot defeat us. To be in Christ To be in his fold means that we live in peace and rest. There is safety and security under the care of the good shepherd. And certainly there is abundant life. This is uh, Shrek, the sheep. Shrek was found in a cave after hiding for six years. And as you can see, he developed quite uh, a bit of fleece. The average sheep has fleece weighing about 10 pounds when they're shaved. Shrek had fleece weighing 60 pounds, so six times the weight he was carrying around for some time. And it all happened because he strayed away from the flock. 
he ended up on his own, and luckily, thankfully, somebody found him. But you know, we're not a whole lot different. We're not much different than Shrek. I mean, there's a reason why we're often referred to as sheep in the Bible, and we can go astray, we can, we can find ourselves hiding, and we can find ourselves like Shrek, burdened by the weight of extra fleece, whether that be guilt, whether it be doubt or shame or whatever it may be. Jesus says, I can remove that. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, sheep are jittery and nervous animals. And do you know what they want above all else besides maybe food? They want rest. And that's really all of us, isn't it? I mean, that's really what we want as well. We just want rest. We just, we just want comfort. The Pharisees were providing an extra heavy burden with all of their fence laws and their man-made traditions. And Jesus says, I can fix that. If you'll come to me, if you'll walk through the door, you'll find greener pastures where you can be well-fed and well-rested. Not just now, but for all eternity. Sheep haven't changed you know, the sheep in Jesus' day are, are the same sheep that roam the earth today. They're, they're the same animal. And I don't think Christians are that much different either. All too often we find ourselves carrying around this added weight. And what we have to realize is that these burdens are really self-imposed. And we need to quit hiding in our cave and in our darkness and get back to following the good shepherd. We're going to carry around extra weight in this world if we don't fix our eyes on the good shepherd and listen to his voice. You know, when Shrek was found, it took 28 minutes to shave him down and get all that extra fleece off. But all it took was for him coming to shepherd, allowing himself to be rescued, coming out of the darkness, coming out of hiding. I want to ask you a very serious question this morning. This is life and death kind of stuff. What side of the door are you on? I want you to really think about that question. Is your soul secure? Does it have rest? Are you living the abundant life? Maybe you're standing outside the fold, outside the grace of God, outside the freedom that Jesus offers. I would just encourage you and I would plead with you. Don't let the door hit you on your way out. Don't let it close on you. Walk through it this morning. Look, we, we can help you, and I hope that you will allow us to do so. I mean, you can send us a message. You can give me a call. Uh, we want to help you. And so if you're ready to study the Bible with someone, if you're ready to talk about next steps, whatever that may look like, walk through the door. Don't find yourself on the other side of it.